0: From Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross
1: and Benjamin Kowalski.
0: Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 160 of the Freight 360 Podcast we got another special episode today. We've got uh, a guest on with us. We'll introduce him in just a second. We're going to be having a discussion about culture and why, why it's a big game changer in this industry. Uh, but first, if you're brand new here, welcome to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, welcome back. Continue to send us all of your questions. We've got three more listener Q&A questions at the end today. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Blue Book Services. Blue Book Services is the resource you need if you're transporting fresh produce. Their online database contains thousands of companies throughout the produce industry and the supply chain. You can easily search their database to generate new sales leads. Blue Book's credit ratings help you avoid companies with a high credit risk, and their team can help resolve disputed loads. To learn more, go to producebluebook.com and click join today. That's producebluebook.com. All right. So today's episode, we've got Jordan Reber. He is the Executive Vice President with ARL Logistics on with us. Jordan, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So what I always think is interesting is um, the the three of us are essentially competitors when it comes to uh, our day-to-day work, right? We all work at different brokerage companies, but I think what's awesome is to come together and have a realistic conversation about things that matter in this industry. And, you know, when I was at the, one of the TIA conferences um, last month, and I was like, I'm with 100 of my competitors right now, but we're having really good conversations. Um, so I highly encourage people, don't be afraid to talk to your competition about, about stuff. So um, tell us a little bit about ARL and, you know, kind of your, your journey and how you got to where you are and what you do there today, and then we'll kind of get into things.
2: Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo your point of collaboration amongst competitors. Let's, let's raise the bar collectively to help each other out. I mean, it's it's we've seen a lot of benefit from that area at ARL. So kudos to that. But, yeah, no, I, I've been at ARL since 2015. I got into freight brokerage 2005, 2006, started the flatbed trucking company here in Pittsburgh, uh, went on to the brokerage side. And I always joke is like, I, I feel like I'm still young <laughs> and I'm getting up there now and I'm like, Man, when I started, some of these big logistics companies like Echo and Coyote didn't even exist. So I was like, that's kind of scary. Maybe I'm not as young as I thought I was. But, <laughs> um, but ARL is unique. It's interesting. So ARL Transport's been around since the late 70s. We are an intermodal drayage carrier, asset-based, over 50 terminals. You know, so if you have container drayage needs, ARL Transport can usually help you out. Uh, but Ron Faraday, uh, who came on when in the industry, and he was, you know, 18 years old back in 1981. His dad started the company. Uh, he came to me because he wanted to diversify, and he saw, you know, the brokerage boom that was happening. And I was looking for a new opportunity, so it just worked out. And uh, as we've, this is my second time building a brokerage. Uh, I, I learned a lot in my first 10 years, and I was like, hey, there's, I think there's a lot of different things we can do. And we are definitely more of the cradle to grave model, but with technology and a small carrier sales team infused into that. And I know we'll talk about lean solutions, but that was really kind of my aha moment of I know exactly how I'm going to build this different this time around. And it's been been a fun ride since
0: then. Yeah, we'll get into the lean part uh, later on, but just uh, real quick, how how many um, near shore folks do you guys have supporting your business from lean?
2: Yeah, between aerial Transport and aerial Logistics, we're over 110 employees now. That's awesome. Yeah. How many assets
1: you guys have in the Drage side? We just got an update on Thursday at our leadership
2: meeting. We're at uh, 828.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. We got to have a conversation off air more about that. Um, (laughs) We love 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 Drage. I don't know why, but we love it. Uh, Good stuff. Man of my own heart. We'll have to dig into that later. <laughs> so
0: we, it wouldn't be a regular episode if we don't talk about sports. And I, I'm excited to talk about sports with the two of you because you guys are both Pittsburgh Steelers fans. And uh, so let's get through week four first. Um,
1: you guys had the – was it the Thursday nighter? No. Nah, no, Sunday. No, we played Sunday against the Jets. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, We'd we like to forget it too. So. Yeah, lost in like the last two minutes. What was it, like two and a half minutes, give or take? Yeah. But then yeah. the Kenny
0: Pickett era has begun, so the silver
2: lining. Silver
1: lining.
0: lining. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, that's that's like your rebuild. Um, you got to start somewhere, right? I mean, I remember when when uh, the Bills went through, like, a million different quarterbacks in a matter of a decade, and then finally this kid named Josh Allen from Wyoming joins the team. And had a, he had a rough, rough start, but it was, you know, you got to build around that. And, um, you know, on the Bills' note, they somehow pulled off a comeback win after being down by, like, 17 points in the first half and you beat the Ravens, which we thank you for that.
1: Yes, I, you're welcome. I, Actually, I'm gonna absolutely. take some credit because I stopped watching that game at halftime when you guys were losing, and then you guys kind of picked it up the second half. So yeah. the only two football games I watched and the half half of the Bills game on Sunday, and then I turned it off and you guys started picking up the speed. <laughs> yeah, I was I was pretty stressed in there. The first
0: so Bennett, do you remember what my prediction was on the game, though? I said it's gonna be a tough game, it's gonna be a very close game, and I said I would not bet the spread on that one, and they did not cover the spread. So uh, I think I call it like a one or two point victory, and they did it by three. Um, so anyway, though, the week five, um, it's going to be the Bills and the Steelers. So <laughs> the
2: spread on that one. <laughs> I think
0: it's like fourteen or something like that it's in you know Buffalo what, too. So. You know what though? You, it'll shift. It'll move. Like the the Bills are not fully healthy right now. Um, who knows? Maybe Kenny Pickett's just gonna. He's gonna mature in a matter of a week. You never know. He's gonna be slinging four hundred yards or something. I don't know.
2: We did go to Buffalo last year and won, but that was Week One, which we did that yeah, again with was- the, the Bengals right. this year. Just caught you at the right time. It's like we're we've been nervous about this game since the schedule was released.
0: Yeah, that's right. You guys did. Uh, you guys did have the upset win over the Bills in Week One last year, and you know it's so funny because. You get one week or two weeks into the season, you get these fans that are like, it's over. The whole season's over. And it's like, dude, it's September still.
2: A lot but, of football uh, left. Yeah. No, the Bills are in a different trajectory than the Steelers are right now. I think we're realists. We know we're not Super Bowl contenders right now. We got to rebuild the offensive line in the worst way. And but yeah. a lot of young talent where the Bills, you guys have gone through all your pain. You, you deserve some uh, some wins here.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll I'll give my predictions at the end of the episode here, and I'll make sure I mark my timestamp so our one listener who doesn't like listening to sports can skip it. Um, Very good. Okay, so Ben, let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT, and then we're going to get into the, uh, the episode here.
1: Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT, the DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, and you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. With the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free, link, a free month of DAT Power Express or Trucker's Edge.
0: Definitely. Okay. So today's episode is going to be all about culture. And uh, I kind of, I want to set the stage here. And then I want to hear a lot from you, Jordan, and Ben as well. Although we should, we should preface also that Ben did, he did let us know that he just got back from the dentist and might have a little bit of a lisp from some Novocaine or whatnot. So we're going to make sure this we call on nice. you a lot, Ben. He uh, did great so far. Keep yeah. talking. <laughs> So the, to set the stage here, you know, oftentimes people will ask, like what makes your what makes your company any different than the next brokerage? And there's always like some people say, oh, we can do this and we support that, and we've got assets, and you know this that you know our technology is great. At the end of the day, I think what makes a, the one of the biggest differences is the intangible culture or you know kind of the, the vibe and the feel that goes with a company. Like some some companies have a very Corporate feel to them, where you you have to feel like you're like stiff when you walk in there, and it's very rigid. And then others have like uh you know work hard, play hard, fun mentality. Others have a very family feel vibe to it. Um, and it's more than just how you feel when you're there. There's a lot of things that go into the culture, but I think that is the the intangible that makes the biggest difference um, between brokerages. And I think that comes down. You, you see that reflect in when a customer decides they want to work with you know, a certain broker over another broker, regardless of, you know, their rates being slightly higher, it's because they like the person that they're actually doing business with and they like the the culture and how they're treated as a customer or even carriers as well. You, you, you like the way you're treated as a motor carrier for a brokerage. So, um, so I guess, you know, talk to me a little bit about the the culture at ARL, um, you know, what goes into creating that culture and, you know, how do you, I guess, just kind of give me your take on it, your spin on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, for us, it all starts with being that servant leaders. And I think, you know, especially restarting things over here after I helped build another brokerage, you know, you get humbled when you got to start over again. And I was recruiting the people that I knew that similar core values to me. But ultimately, it wasn't about what we were going to do is about the the people we need to bring on and how we need to treat them. And, you know, coming from what was it became a churn and burn brokerage is like, I'm not doing that. That wasn't what I wanted to do um when i bring somebody on i'm all in and if as long as they stay all in i'm all in with them you know through thick or thin and no no monthly metric is going to tell me that i should let them go so as we were building up and and really when i connected with ron faraday originally like that that's his his personality that is his reputation in this industry you know, he's really big in the intermotive drayage world. If you're in that space, you know who the heck Ron Faraday is. But what you do know about Ron, if you know him, is he's the hardest working guy I've ever met. And it's because he's always serving somebody. He'll say it all the time. Our drivers are our customers. Our customers are our customers. Our employees are our customers. You know, our carriers are our customers. We are never the customer. So we're always here to say, how can I help you? And I think it's just that mentality. We've taken that to our employees. Um, But then we'd end up becoming what we now label as day one hustle. And I think that's something Ron and I share. It's like, it doesn't matter how many years we've been doing this, how long um, we've been working on building this and what our titles are. It's day one every day. And I think it's it's something in me. You're always just trying to prove it to someone. I don't even know who I'm trying to prove it to at this point, but (laughs) showing my employees like that is just it. When we come in that first day on a new job, like you're always trying to impress everyone when you're always trying to learn as much as possible. Like if you can have that mentality every day and work really hard and utilize the technology that we put in place to really make you look good. And on top of that, as you said, be likable, you know, as your customers want to, want to uh, work someone they like, Yeah, you know, just think of the things you can accomplish, but it's not a one month thing or a one year thing like you've got to do it every single day. And here I am 16 years later, still doing it. But, yeah. um, We really ingrained that in our culture, but we reward the heck out of them for doing that, knowing that they do work their butts off. Like, we need to make this place fun. They should want to come here. They should love Mondays. I
1: I think, you know, just the servant-based, you know, leadership or however that's defined, I think it's gotten like this, you know, like, I don't know, cliche, like, oh, you know, like, what does that really mean? But when you really do know what it means, it absolutely makes a difference, right? an example, I mean, like, I can see this within our clients, within the companies we work with which ones have it and which ones don't, right? And I think a really good example of that, and you really kind of hit the nail on the head is, when the manager, there's less of them than there are the people on the floor, just because of the way the hierarchy of a company works. But at the end of the day, even though we technically report to them as a broker, right? they should be serving the brokers. Like their job is to help the brokers get better, do more, help their customers more, better service their carriers to your to your point, right? They're both our customers. Yeah. And when your manager is there to help you move forward, right? It creates a completely different dynamic within the company, right? You enjoy being there. You like working with your managers because there is that, you know, they're there to help you. You're not there to just like your point, hit a metric or be walked out the door, right? There are other brokerages that just run with that stick. Do this or you don't have a seat, right? And again, even with the people that are successful, they tend to not want to hang around much longer after that anyway, because again, like there's no love. You're only as good as your last paycheck as last, you know, your last report. And nobody really gives a shit whether you come or go anyway, to be honest. Well, I you think,
2: look at a lot of the people, even if they are successful, it's just a matter of like, you know, I could lose my biggest customer tomorrow. Then where do I stand? Because I've seen yeah. what happens to some of my people that I've came up with. And everyone's working on eggshells at that point. And
1: Always. they try to
2: offset that with the work hard, play hard. And it's just smoke and mirrors um, yes. to get these people in the door. And like if, if you just make it so that it is coming that supportive, standpoint. Like I travel a lot now because I have to do all these different things. And I, when I come back, I feel bad. I was like, I should be here for you guys. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I have to do these other things too. Now we have fully capable managers that have been promoted from within that are also singing from that, you know, that same mantra. But you
0: know, that's just how I am. I think one thing I want to add in there too is, um, you know, just just on the like you said, you reward the heck out of it. And the other thing too is the the other side of the coin is if you know, I've seen people that they start off strong, they're they're doing everything right and they start to slip and it could be six months in it could be a year or two in where they start to you know you see all these broker carrier bash you know people bashing each other online and in social media groups and whatnot and i've i've witnessed it too where i've got you know an agent inside of our company that is getting frustrated because like a dispatcher or carrier doesn't want to tell them where the truck is or something's changed and they're not giving them updates and they're all getting pissed off And we have to all remember that you know, it takes all of us in this to get this transaction done effectively. And we can't just start to slip and get pissed off at our carriers or anybody else and start to treat them as if they're not as good as us or on the same level as us just because something went wrong. Um, so I think to in addition to rewarding people for treating culture, right, it's also reinforcing. And, you know, I guess you don't want to call, it, you know, correcting somebody, but it's more so. um you know, altering their course if they start to slip away from that that right culture, because there's there's nothing worse than a, a toxic, cancerous person inside of your organization. That you know, all of a sudden they start their their bad attitude and their bad practices starts to spread like wildfire. So sure. it's, it's good to keep that stuff in check and just make sure that um, you know us as as leaders in an organization are aware of what's going on, um, you know, within the range. So. Just my little. And I think head. those moments
2: too, when they are having bad months. I mean, there's we had two two guys we talked to this week. It's like these are opportunities. Like, yeah, things have happened. It's unfortunate, but like you now get to reinvent yourself, knowing all the things you know. Like the yep. first time you built, we were you know if you had some experience, we were teaching our way. If you didn't have experience, you're still learning. You get to do it all over again, essentially. You know, and and pick a different path. And it's almost it's it's invigorating to say, okay, cool. Let me let me try something different here. I don't want to. I'm a robot selling, um, but I can rebuild my book a different way.
1: Well, yeah, I think you also, you the mistakes just,
0: now that you didn't make before, for sure.
1: You also picked up, right, even in your, in your vernacular, you get to, you don't have to, right? And that is a mindset mindset shift that most people don't look at, right? They look at an issue and go, oh, this is horrible. It's demoralizing. I'm anxious. My boss is going to yell at me or I'm going to get a, you know, a slap on the wrist. As opposed to, like you said, you know, another example of servant leadership, like, hey, let's look at this as an opportunity to grow as a broker, to grow as a company, to find different ways to solve these and do that together. Right now, again, you get to do that. You don't have to do it. And that changes the way it's all going to play out from that point forward the same.
0: Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about. like hiring and employee retention. I did bring up, you know, the the toxic folks. And I think I'll just start off by saying if you find a cancerous or toxic uh, team member in your organization, it is best to address that immediately and not let it get any worse. And whether that means um, having a conversation and kind of changing their mindset or if you have to get rid of that person because they're just they're not going to be a fit for organization um, the sooner the better because it just gets worse with time but what I want to talk about it and we talked with with Trey Griggs about this I want to say about a year ago Ben about you know every you know culture is huge at an organization but understanding what's important to each individual team member or employee is is extremely paramount because it's not the same across individuals so Jordan, what I'm curious on with you is, have you guys taken a certain strategy to um, recruit talent effectively or retain and, you know, ex, you know, advance your your team members effectively, you know, outside of the norm?
2: Yeah, I think we are so heavy into networking and we invest a lot of money into it as well. That's why we're always out and about. Uh, we had a whole tagline a few years ago, expand the network. But the, the network is so intricate and it's just all those, those three or four or five degrees of separation you tap into those. I so want if you can maintain a good relationship and or reputation, I should say, in this business, you tend to meet a lot of different people that want to do business together. So we build it out that way, with also tapping into the local colleges and and finding people that way. But I think to address that cancerous person, you know, I preach through the interviews. We are very transparent, and you know, from day one, I'll give you full trust. If we sign up, sign you on, we are all in, and i you can. Have the keys to my car. I don't care. You know, I'm going to trust you that much. But you know, if, if you start going down a different path, you know, you, you got to have those awkward conversations. And but they're just honest conversations. You look at them that way and just saying, let's just talk about it because it's it's actually weirder if we don't. Yeah. You know? And then we get it out there. We clear there. You find out what's really going on. Sometimes it's work related. Sometimes it's not. You know. But you got to build that level of trust so they can talk to you about it. And there's always going to be people that just, you know, they're their own worst enemy, you know, and it's eventually just going to get on a path that that they're going to walk themselves out the door. But uh, for the most part, I think people want to do a good job. That's why they took the job. And it's just finding what
0: things are going to make them motivated and where they can help your company. I want to, I want to revisit something that you just brought up. And that is like having those hard conversations. I can't stress how important this is. I have seen it too many times where uh, whether it's, because of somebody is a subordinate or they're just confused there's this big elephant in the room because maybe an email came across the wrong way or somebody said something that offended somebody else and they weren't aware of it either way whatever that situation is it is extremely important to just talk about it and not let it brew because if you don't have the conversation that that just honest conversation what's going to happen People just they start to make assumptions in their mind. And all of a sudden, it's like this worst case scenario. Things are are brewing inside their head. And the reality is you could just have a five minute conversation like adults talk through it. You might find out that you misinterpreted something. They might realize that they were wrong about something. Whatever the case might be, you need to have that conversation and then move forward. Uh, Because that stuff, when it just brews and brews, man, it is like it is like palpable when you're in a room where like you can feel the stress like no one's talking to anybody. It's so weird. Well, I think it's important to do not just get run with
2: one side of the story as bad as it possibly can be. Like, take that other person and and let them say their side of the story. Now, there's there's three sides to every story, as we know. But yeah, start those conversations with letting them talk and hey, I heard some things. What happened? And just let My, them talk and you'll find that middle ground somewhere.
1: I think one of my favorite quotes about that is the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place, right? Both parties assume they understand the other party wholeheartedly. And the reality is, is what they're really understanding is their emotions and how they feel about it, right? There was a mistake. One person can, like you said, just feel scared or feel like they're going to lose their job and they go down this rabbit hole right in their head. And it's like, if you just bring the issue to the surface and everybody talks about what's really there, it's usually not that big of an issue at all
0: yeah hundred um, percent let's let's talk the retention side of it so obviously the you you mentioned like networking and all that um, any of us that have been on have been on LinkedIn probably get hit up multiple times by some sort of like recruiting company or whatever um, and I, I'll tell you that I, you know I always will happily decline um, somebody's offer to talk, or I've even talked to folks and tried to refer them to somebody else to go talk to um, because I have zero intention of ever leaving the organization that I work with because of the, really because of the culture and the way that I feel being a part of a team. It, what, so with that being said, and people almost trying to poach folks from other companies left and right with growing logistics companies these days. What have you, I mean, I'm curious, I'm betting you as well, what you've experienced in the past and Jordan, what you guys are doing now at ARL. Um, what is like the key to retaining good talent, um, you know, within your organization?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's like getting to know exactly what each person is really looking to achieve. And that's they're doing those reviews and getting that feedback. You know, we have a lot of people here. We hired them because they want to make money, you know, so as long as they're on that path. And the support that we're giving them and making sure at different checkpoints that everything I told you that we were going to do for you, like we were actually delivering on that. And if not, tell me. That's fine. Um, Another thing I I always preach to everybody is, hey, come in here, learn our business, see what we do. After six months, pick it apart. Call my baby ugly. Say, you're not going to offend me in the worst way because I want to make sure. Call my baby ugly. (laughs) Don't call my real kid ugly, but you can call my baby Uh, ugly. I want to be always involved and I want to change, but that also makes them part of where we're going. And then they come up with these ideas and then we can empower them to run with these ideas. So they feel like they're a better part of something much bigger and they have some control on what's going on. And it will put some people in those spots me we ask them these questions, they don't really have much. They think everything's great. They're just kind of saying you know, what they're happy with. They're here. So you don't get that from every employee, but the employees that really need that, that moment, they will step up and, and, and do that. Um, and then we know there's always people coming after our employees all the time. You can get them on LinkedIn. I just assume it's happening. Um, we did, before COVID, started this coalition here in Pittsburgh. Um was with myself, Mike Cervello from BMAC. We, we were it got labeled Steel City of Freight by Freightways, but then became the Transportation Leadership Alliance. But we were working with other companies like Christy Knitchell. I know she's really big on, on LinkedIn. Um, and just, hey, let's all come together. And like you said in the, the kick off of the show, we are competitors, but we also are, have niche businesses that we play in. We can learn a lot from each other. We can help each other. But at the end of the day, we can share best business practices. And guess what? When we all know each other, we're probably not going to be poaching each other's employees and have to sit there and worry about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that is something we need to get back together here now post-COVID. But um, I think that sort of mindset surrounding some of those people in your in your area where you have offices you know, can go a long way.
0: Yeah. I want to add there too. So um, I think leadership's a big part of retention too, obviously. Does does the team member enjoy, um, you know, do they enjoy working for the whoever's in their chain of command or, you know, whoever their boss or their supervisor is, do they feel they're getting the support? And you brought up a good point. Like what, what does that person want in the job? Like you you get some people that they want to make money, uh, but others, their priorities are not always money number one. I remember when I first started in brokerage, my boss said, you know, out of these three things, what's most important or what's the order of importance? And it was like power, money and recognition. And I was like, um, I mean, I definitely want to make good commission checks. So I'm going to put money first. I was like um, power. Who doesn't like power? Number two. And I was like recognition. I don't really need it. So you can just forget. I don't need to be recognized to be happy. Um, but that's not the case for everybody. There are people that. They will take. You know, they don't want the commission based job. They want a, a stable, maybe like an operations or an administrative role. But they need to be told, "Great job, and thanks for giving giving it your all this week," because that recognition means more to them than the commission check for the the top salesman or broker that works in a cubicle next to them. So well, I, think I think it's
2: important like, too yeah. to not devalue those operations people as well. That was, that was a big thing we saw the last company and it's like, those guys are so integral to what we do. And I want salespeople that respect the hell out of what those guys do because our sales guys typically don't want to get into the weeds of the ops. So let's surround them with support, but also they deserve a piece of the pie too. They shouldn't have to just sit there and grind it out all day long and hope for a raise or some arbitrary bonus plan. Like I want to make sure that they get a piece of the commissions that are out there as well so that they are hungry and aggressive and want to do the work. They're excited by new customers you know they'll take those calls after hours on the weekends or respond to an email because we're all in this together you know, so i think that's important
1: i would say yeah. that that's probably one of the things i think is one of the larger deficiencies i see with mid sized to smaller brokerage that have the pod model the carrier side right and the sales is they don't work as a team, right? They literally don't, like they communicate at the bare minimum, like, hey, this is the truck, this is the MC, this is when he's empty, right? And there are so many missed opportunities when they don't work together. I mean, like even like bids or can get loads or a customer's like, hey, if you can get me some capacity, I can give you four or five loads a week, you know? You got the carrier team going, oh, well, we don't really have them, so maybe we don't work. And then literally no conversation happens, like no communication. And it's like, You can work in everybody benefits when there is more collaboration between both sides and they both see the value and where they're both going together, not independent of the other side.
0: Yeah, I want to add one thing in, too, is um, I I agree with you, Jordan, about compensating your ops or carrier sales team, whatever you want to call them, uh, giving them a piece of the pie. I 100 percent agree on that. And in addition to that, one of the things that I really loved in the past Is the uh, like a profit sharing structure where everybody in the entire company gets to benefit at the end of the year or whatnot? So we used to have it at the last company I was with where everybody from, you know, salesperson to IT to HR. Got a cut of whatever growth the company achieved as a entire organization, and it was like it was like Christmas Day. Everyone getting their checks handed out. It was this big thing, but it, it really brought everybody in um, and it was like, "Hey, because we all came together and we were effective, and we 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 helped each other out instead of working against each other, we're all getting this reward." Uh, and you see it too with companies that they'll give out like a, a Christmas bonus or whatever at the end of the year to everybody on the team. Uh, to show appreciation, and that that all goes back to culture, and it's not it's not just about the money, right? Remember, for some people, it's that check might be dollars and cents, but more so, it's like a it's a hey, thank you very much for being part of this team. It's that recognition. So,
2: yeah, uh, and then the, the caution, and I agree with you too. And then the caution, and when we 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 have these conversations all the time about the pros and cons of different comp plans, and the the rub to that could be, you know, if the economy continues down this path there's gonna be some companies that don't grow and you may have that it person that hr person that's sitting there like i worked just as hard this year as i did last year like i don't understand you know why i'm not getting it True. so it's like we go through all these like what if scenarios that try to like that's why a lot of these ideas don't necessarily go anywhere because we are like i don't think we have a bulletproof plan on that just yet that i want to make sure we compensate these people properly
1: Yeah. What's more important, though, than the solution, I think, is that you guys are asking that question. I think most companies don't sit down and ask, is the incentive we're offering to whatever employee it is doing what it's supposed to? Incentivizing the employee to do the best and to want to improve, right? And if it isn't, it's not effective for anybody, the company or the employee.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your... um, the outsourced, or we'll call it the, the near, so we'll talk about Lean, right? So Lean's obviously a big, a partner of ours, a sponsor on the show, and um, we use them, Ben and I use it for Freight 360 for some of our marketing stuff and our, our tech side stuff. Um, so talk us through the story of kind of how Lean got introduced to ARL, how you guys have really leveraged their ability to help you guys scale, and really just how that relationship's gone. Yeah, silver lining of the
2: non-compete that I had to work my way out of for a year and when I couldn't do brokerage. Uh, little side note too, to anyone that's out there, make sure you know what non-competes are and that you don't sign them. <laughs> There's <laughs> plenty of companies that are in do not right. make you sign non-competes. Um, give Steve Cox a little shout out for that too, spreading the word. But um, no, so during that time though, I was working on the transport side. You know, we were, they we're processing paper logs and billing out trade, trade moves. And uh, we met, Robert Cadena and David Bell and Jeff Maser. they were Smith Cargo at the time, but they told us about this operation in Columbia. And Ron turned to me and said, hey, would you go check it out? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Um, so we did that and we saw and we just hit it off. And we were sold on the model they were going to build. This is back in 2015. The office, the structure they had set up even back then was, was immaculate. And uh, we started with two people in safety, two people in billing, and we're just creating SOPs for that just the minutia that happens when you're running a trucking company. And when I was down there is when I realized was like these guys are college educated, bilingual. These are great opportunities for them. I was like, I can teach these guys to move freight. I said, you know, we we taught recent college grads, 20 to 30 people at a time at a big brokerage, how to move freight. I said, I know I can do that. And that was like my aha moment of like how I'm gonna do this different. So I started with myself. Uh, Kurt Brannigan is my director of sales now and two Colombians. And that was just going to be it. We were going to teach them how to build loads, track and trace, you know, call for pickup numbers, all the basic stuff. And we just teach them from start to finish. And um, over time, we realized what we really had. And it was like if we can really make four of these people super users, so we'll never have to train entry level again, because they will always continuously train for those positions. So our differentiator now that we build up on the logistics side is I can offer support at a much earlier phase for a salesperson in more of that cradle to grave model to make sure that they never leave sales the sales mindset. Because as you build that book of business and you have to do more ops work, over time, you end up doing more ops and sales, and then you lose your confidence in your sales abilities. And that's when people max out at a certain peak. Yeah. Whereas we just never let them get out of a sales mindset because the second the op starts coming into play, you get more support. And there's different tiers, we call it the path to greatness, but you know, some of it's in Columbia and some of it then that does end up being here as they build out these teams. But you know, you as a salesperson can ultimately be managing a team of four or five people within two years, and you're making the same commission regardless, because I cover the costs for all those people. But I was able to scale it because of lean and the cost savings.
1: I'd say that's the biggest barrier to scaling too, right? And you see that across the industry, cradle to grave or not, is that, that you're just when you get to a certain amount of business, most companies make you operate at the higher volume before they staff it. Like yeah. I know Nate's talked about Pierce. Pierce kind of works off what, a fifty percent margin? Not margin, um, like capacity number. Like they kind of want to yeah, always be like
0: uh, when we see if we see people over they're averaging over 50% workload, we're like, we got to start thinking about adding team members. you don't want people, you don't want them getting maxed out and then it's too late. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and I'll give you, I mean, a real example too. I've got a client and I've been working with this entire brokerage for three years now and I have one of their top salespeople and this is what happens. I mean, some of them like you get to burnout, right? Like, cause they're literally like at wit's end they're at 60, 70 hours a week. I mean, answering phone calls at two, three in the morning. We all know that's part of the job but when it's an unending, like you can't see like the end of this, you run into burnout because they're like, how long can I keep running on this treadmill until I get support? And then you have some managers who are like, well, we'll get it. Well, I mean, having any defined timeline, whether it be two years or a year, is better than in de- Like, we don't know. Because again, you can't, you, when you don't know the end of the road you're running on, it gets very difficult to run at all.
2: Yeah, and I'm a firm believer. It's not the big problems that make them burn out. It's not even the calls after hours that make them burn out. It's dealing with that. Constant reprioritization of your day and the minutia of like things that are just mindless, you yep. know, building orders and calling for this POD and where's this truck at? I don't have tracking on them. I got to call them. Like you're redoing this and then the problem comes in. And yep. now you're stressed to no end because you don't have time to properly deal with that problem. Well, the idea was get all that other stuff off of their plate. So they only have to deal with that problem and turn that into a relationship building moment of saying, like, I'm not going to be so short sighted. Whatever it is, we'll make it go away, whether it costs us money or not but handle it and let the customer see that communication. And then now you can quickly move on to the next thing and you're still in a positive mentality.
1: Well, yeah. And it's like you pointed out, it's the switching of the tasks that is very stressful on just human beings, right? Switching tasks takes a tremendous amount of energy. Like in coaching, I use the analogy of like, we're way more like a train than a car. We're not built to stop every block at every red light. We're meant to move in a direction, keep moving at a level of focus and then switch to something else. Our industry is, You're switching constantly, no matter what. Like you could be in the middle of a sales call and you get a text message and an email that you've got a, you know, an issue that's blown up and you've got to run and jump to that. Like even if you're still talking to the prospect, your mind is now already on the problem and you're already your stress levels going up. Like I got to get off this phone, but this is an important conversation. My driver's screaming at me. My shipper's getting pissed off. And it's just. Bigger and bigger and bigger, right?
0: I know that I'm not the only person that deals with that, Ben. You you just validated my feelings. So,
2: What well, great analogies you're selling, it's like you're sitting there on a first date with a new girl you're trying to impress, and you got your so excited, you're yelling yeah. at
1: you for all the bad things you've done there. <laughs> Blowing you up, text message, phone calls, you're hitting silent, silent, and they're just coming through, and then they come through the emails, and it's just getting louder and louder and louder, and it's just like...
0: So, Jordan, let me ask you this then, in regards to your... Your outsourced team, because obviously we're talking culture here. So, being that they're not physically in the same location as you, they come from a, a different cultural background, um, and they're not technically an employee of yours. How do you, how do you translate that culture over to your folks from Lean? Um, do you have any struggles with it? Does it seem pretty, you know, pretty easy? Or I guess, what did that look like for you guys? Well, I guess and we always took the mentality
2: that it's, it's not outsourced. I mean, on paper it is. We get that. But outside of that, it was that is our office. And it's just the same as I have an office in Jacksonville, Florida. Like, I don't feel like any differently at those guys. And it's important that we infused our culture into their office from a very early phase and show them a path. You know, because if we're just going to delegate BS work to them and think they're going to do that forever, like that's a failing mentality. We wanted them to all see their career paths as well and see what motivated them. Now, we do put some nice bonus plans in place for them because ultimately it's a big family culture down there and they wanna be able to earn money to help their families and we give them that opportunity, but they want a lot of career development as well. And so now that they can see the org chart and the layers and the people who okay, I see where that person got to that level, I can get there. Fat back five years ago, that didn't necessarily exist. We, I had to paint that picture for them. Okay. And I had to like, you gotta trust me, but I'm telling you, this is where it's going. You're not gonna see, or believe me, I get it, but give me time, let's work through it. And now there's a lot of the conductors. I remember when you stood here and there was only a few of us and you said this would happen. I was like, yeah, I mean, if we just gotta stick to the course and be patient along the way. But you have to recognize they can't wait forever like you got to show them some wins along the line. Yeah. Um,
1: and and you, it
2: looks like ARL, as like any other office we have.
1: Could you, and I mean, again, I don't need to put out there any proprietary information, but anything you could share on specifics on how you've done that? Because the people that I've worked with, clients too, that work with Lane, and I work with Lane on the brokerage side and on the free 360 side, is that's the one thing that like I went and did, but it's also – my background, like, hey, they need a path forward. They need to see what the next step looks like. They need to know what their career looks like moving forward. And I know Lean does a good job on their side, but I think the companies that add something on top of that are the ones that get the most out of those employees. They also get the best buy-in from their team members, you know, that are near short, kind of, you know, a little bit farther location. Any specifics you could share or even general thoughts on how other companies can go about getting more out of their employees by doing similar things. Sure. And you'll learn about
2: me. I'm an open book. Yeah. That is like, that's, this is where the sharing part comes in. If I share, then others will share as well. But, um, really, and I think lean does a great job, but I expect nothing from them. You know, mm-hmm. Give me the employees, give me the interviews set up. That's what I need. And then we take all the responsibility from there. So we almost just treat them as a placement agency mm-hmm. and, Because of that, now we know, like, yeah, they're going to help us along the way. They don't just leave us high and dry. But when it comes to the training and the processes, all these things, like we make it our responsibility because we know how important that business is to our company. And it's not because it's cheaper labor than we have here in the States. You know, the whole idea was take the work that people here in the States don't want to do and have them do it, but do it in a way that, like I said, that, that they'll see value from it as well. And you know, tying them to our success was a big part of it. And then tying them to, um, individuals. right now. got the call like, yeah, I'm sorry, the, right. the podcast, but now I got this fired up. You, <laughs> you can try to stop the call, but not in this business. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we started, as we paired them up with different reps that they were supporting, we really tied into that success and gave them goals the same way we were giving that rep goals. So when you'd hit these different tiers, you know, there was moments to celebrate and they would get some extra money from it. But ultimately it was like, now they're working together and becoming like best friends with their rep. Like, let's go get this together. And anytime uh-huh. like they'd see their rep Doing work that they should be doing. They're like, no, no, I'm going to do that. You need to go sell. You're going to small business.
1: And I think that you mean you give a great example. Like we used to do that at TQL. Like we would throw cash to our assistants. But again, like what we would end up with is more of what you described. Like we were genuinely a team with the people. Like you all cared about the freight equally. It wasn't like, I got to do this because it's my job. My broker's telling me to because they cared as much as the broker did. And I think the more, again, you can get those people to work as a cohesive team, just you get a better result. The customers are happier. The carriers are happier. The company does better. You have better retention. Like everything gets better.
2: Yeah. And you got to know, too, I mean, there are Colombian laws that they have to abide by, you know, and there's certain things like if they get sick and they go to the doc, They go to the doctor a lot. And they could get a note that says, "Hey, for three days, I'm not going back to the office." And there's nothing Lean can really do about that; it. it's their laws. But their employee, if they, if you really have them bought in, those are the ones to say, "Yeah, I feel better. I'm coming back to work tomorrow." Mm-hmm. You know, they
1: don't want they're to say- in the boundaries of like, "Hey, right." That's the opposite yeah. end. They're pushing the boundary of wanting to get back because it's their team misses them, and they know that, like, "Hey, they've left. They're a valuable part, and by not being there, you know, their team's one one man out." Yeah, and you got to get down
2: there too. That's that's probably the bigger part and getting down there as much as you can. Um, we've made a, a – when you're down there and you get and they get to show you their culture and it, it's it's you know, it's really a great experience. Like I said the food's great, the scenery's great, the people are great. But now you, you connect with them on a different level. Mm-hmm. And then they'll sort of open up with you a little bit differently and you start to understand that we're really not that different. Although, you know, obviously it's South America and, you know, that poverty level is definitely – um, significantly different down there. But for the people in these cities and the opportunities they have, I think they know that this is better opportunity than the previous generation had, and they really want to make the best of it. So if you can, if you can really lean into that and help them, I said, they're now, like, I got one of my guys, they called me multiple times, like, I can now take care of my grandmother or my mom, or you know, it used to be my dad's responsibility.
0: Now it's, now I can do it, you know, and there's a lot of pride in that. That's a, there's a ton of pride in that. Yeah. So... Well, we got um we got a couple of listener Q&A questions to get to here, but uh, normally I would do a lean ad read. I'm pretty sure we just gave a lean advertisement for the last 25 minutes, but make sure you go to leangroup.com you guys want to learn more about the the nearshore staffing options, that's what we were really hitting on there. But don't forget too, like Ben, like you and I talked about, there's other stuff that Lean offers outside of just staffing. Um, so marketing assistance, if you're, you know, even web development, anything technology related, um, check them out at leangroup.com. It's it's a great way to scale your business. And, um, you know, it gives you, you just have more options for things that you may not have the talent for in your immediate area. So, all right. Um, first question here what would happen if all the carriers went on strike for two weeks uh <laughs> uh i just laugh at this one because it would never happen but if i guess if you if you it's kind of like asking what would happen if everyone stopped using credit cards right like it would collapse the financial or if people stopped using debt it would collapse the financial system if, if truck drivers stopped driving for two weeks it would we no one would have food, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, but I think the reason they ask this question is because there's a lot of animosity between brokers and carriers right now, and that's what I would rather address is is how do you how do you kind of better that relationship? And it kind of goes back to the culture thing that we were just talking about because uh, we've seen carriers go on strike before, and um, some of this new the Pro Act that's been proposed in D.C. would require certain people to, to unionize based on the company that they that they're working for and stuff like that. Um, you know, we the goal here is to not have strikes or drivers that are not on the road. We want we want drivers to want to work with brokers and brokers to want to work with with carriers to make the uh, to make the supply chain more smooth and more efficient and effective. Uh, do you guys have any any thoughts on um, how to how to fix the broker carrier animosity or the, the bashing that, that happens. But, you know, back and forth about rates, you know, we're getting screwed on rates and you know, he's, this guy didn't pay me detention. Um, what would you, what would you give as a tip or any advice? The uh, I mean, I
2: think obviously the markets are swings and the more information you can share with these guys just to educate them on what's going on. And they're aware, they know it. Um, and, you know, I know we led this with the DAT at I don't want to bash this, but you know, if you're living on the load boards as a carrier, you're gonna get the highs and the lows. You know, I think enough is, is like you gotta build relationships with certain brokers that you know take good care of you through thick and thin, but that does mean that rates will come down. I mean otherwise the broker's gonna lose all the business too. The shippers are driving the rates down, not the necessarily the broker, but if you're gonna live and die on the load boards, this is not the spot you wanna be in.
1: Yeah, and I think I'll go a little further. I mean, and again, I'll use the load boards as just to point out, like, because you're living in the spot market, right? You're living in the just now. What can I go get right now? And again, when the market's great, everybody's happy. When it swings back to the other side, nobody has any diversification on the carrier side, right? Like to your point. And I've seen a lot of posts in our group, Nate, that have that are going right around this topic, right? Like, why don't we just stop taking loads? And then somebody had said on that same thread, well, why don't we just get a brokerage license? And then somebody else commented like, you don't need a brokerage license to get dedicated freight. Like if you can't sell your assets to a shipper, you'll never be able to sell it as a broker because it's a shitload harder to sell. I don't own trucks to a shipper than I've got trucks. And again, you shouldn't be on one side or the other, but you should have a healthy mix. So again, your lower paying contract freight typically should help you get rid of the highs and lows if you've got a few trucks. And Nate and I are working on a course right now, actually, for the asset side that – is going to go right at some of these things like, you know, understanding the market if you're a carrier, understanding what it means to live on the load boards in the spot market. Hey, when, the, when it's peak, it's great. When it's not, you might not be in business. So what are some strategies you can do so that maybe you don't get the peak, but you definitely don't get the bottom either. And you live in a nice, healthy margin over a long period of time and everybody's happy.
0: Yeah. And I want to echo what Jordan said before, which is just educating folks because, whether it's your customers or carriers that don't understand why rates are changing or why capacity is changing or whatever, having that conversation to educate them just a little bit can uh, ease a lot of that, that unknown or, you know, kind of prevent some of that back and forth. Um, Good stuff. Next question. What software can I use to make rate confirmations and bill of ladings? Well, If you're using a TMS, I would hope that you can do both of those inside of your TMS. I will tell you, we're on McLeod right now and McLeod did not have a pre-built bill of lading template, we had to build one. So that was interesting. Um, If you're not using a TMS, there's billoflading.org to create a BOL. And um, I don't know, you could just probably make a rate confirmation in Microsoft Word or something, I suppose. But if you've got a, a reputable TMS, they're gonna have a template in there. Uh, yeah. Did you guys ever have to bootstrap either one of you and just like make your own bell of lading or Raycon? I, like I said, I've been doing this for
2: a long time. I don't want to tell you. Like i have telling these guys, like you guys don't remember. We used to have the fast machine setup packets. Yeah, yeah. And you would go back to the machine to see if it went through, and then you didn't get all the documents. And it was like you. You. had a step count thing on in that office. <laughs> it's over 10,000 steps a day for sure.
1: And if it makes you, if it makes you doesn't feel as old, I remember when CRMs came out and they were like the newest greatest thing and companies were like, so wait, we're going to know what all of our customers think and we're going to be able to keep it all in one place. (laughs) (laughs) So I would tell you, I mean, the, the, um, hidden,
0: the hidden question behind this question is probably, um, is this person being cheap and not paying for a TMS? And that's probably the answer. Um, You can get like literally a a A free one,
1: a send send, free free version
0: Uh, or you get their premium version. We have, we actually have an affiliate with them. You can go right to our website or the show notes and get a free month. Um, But yeah, I mean, just don't, don't cheap out on the stuff that you are. It's just important for you to have to succeed. Uh, Don't do it. All right. Last question. Very vague. What's the best way to find carriers? Um, Well, I'm going to say that the best way is probably to diversify the ways in which you find carriers. So um, it could be a mix of interacting with them through the load boards. I've seen it through social media, Um, even just calling out to a carrier that you have potential business in and starting a conversation and learning what you know. What does their fleet look like? Where do they? What are their preferred lanes? Things like that. Don't just start the conversation when you need them. Start the conversation well before you need them to see if it's a good fit long term. So I think my tip would be to diversify the the different ways that you um, are trying to source carriers and don't just post and pray on the load boards that you're going to have a carrier that's going to call you immediately. Um, What would you guys
2: add? Yeah, I I always throw shameless plugs in for Parade because I'm a big believer in the product. And it was one of the one of the ways that I knew I was going to make this this different, and I wasn't going to have to build a big carrier sales team, it was really just taking all the data that's inside here and let the machine learning start to figure out what's the one load that this, one, that this carrier would actually care about. You know, I still remember we used to send out all of our open loads to the carriers that get them twice a day and everything else is like, that's white noise. Like, let's just target them with the one thing or present that information back to our users so that, you know, Three people going to cover the same load shouldn't take three different paths to get there because they're going to end up with three different results. Um, Not to mention you got three, you know, various people over the place calling the same people and offering them different things that they don't even care about. You know, so you learn from your data, but partner with with companies that will help you do that. I mean, we weren't going to build something like that. So, we, we, you know, let's partner with somebody.
1: Yeah, I think one of of the, the smaller tips is, if you are calling on a posted load through a load board, have a deeper conversation. If that load doesn't fit, ask a few more conversation ask a few more questions, right? Hey, yeah, this load doesn't work. Hey, you got drivers looking for loads anywhere else? Where do you guys typically look for loads? Like that extra 15 seconds with a good MC can get you capacity on maybe another lane you're working on today, or maybe you find out like runs back halls out of an area that you send a bunch of trucks to, right? And you can help work together. A lot of the networking I did early on, and you referenced this a lot was with other brokers because that's who I would prospect because we can get co-brokerage agreements, but also they knew things I didn't, they were working usually in a different area of the market. They could tell me about an area of the country, what they're paying and what they would need, you know? And again, I think one, the more brokers could collaborate with other brokers, just the better everybody does. I think a lot of people are scared, so they don't ask these questions of carriers too or other brokers. But again, just think about if every brokerage actually did coordinate with each other. And like I could see what loads you needed and you could match up your front halls and back halls, right? Like I know TransPlace does this on a bigger scale, but even just simple communication, you could end up with better relationships, better carriers, and work together. And just
2: to add that to recognize quickly, are you talking to a one truck operation, a 20 truck operation or a hundred truck operation? Cause they're yep. different conversation. You yep. don't sit there and call that, that one truck operation, which are good and they're great, but like Very how different. many times can you call? Them? they're going to be able to yeah. help you. You
0: need it to be perfectly matched up. Yep. Yeah. That's huge. That's, that's massive. Um, well, good stuff. Good conversation. Um, we got to, we got to uh, revisit this bills Steelers game. I'm looking at the stats right now. One o'clock. In um, Orchard Park, my hometown here in in Buffalo, Western New York, Bills are a 14-point favorite. (laughs) Um, No joke, minus 14. Over-unders at 47. Um, That's actually a problem for you
2: because this is what the Steelers do. The second we think they're down and out, they'll go win a game like this. (laughs) It's a stretch. But I was looking at, like, you got the Buccaneers and the Dolphins who are hot now. I was like, wait, there might be – when they think we're going to lose them all, we'll pull off a few wins. But
0: Yeah. Know. I mean, any given Sunday, you have to remember, and I always have to remind myself that these are professional football players. It's not like it's a JV team playing like a peewee team. You know what I mean? It's like these are professionals that they're the best of the best. They got drafted, stayed on a team, got the big contract. Um, so –
2: I'm kicking myself right now that I don't have a terrible towel within reaching, reaching distance. I can get you Close the show. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: I'll, I'll give my prediction. I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to call it a – I think the Bills cover 14 points. So I think you might have like a 17-point a or a 20-point win. I, I don't know. It could be like 27 to 6. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's going to be – I think you might have high scoring, too. I think I might take the over on that. Um, the Bills still have some some injuries out there, although I do think Tredavious White is back this week. Uh, but, yeah, I'm taking a high-scoring Bills cover. Well, you guys want to give your predictions? Kenny Pickett
2: is going to come in and rejuvenate the team here. I'm not <laughs> going to go crazy, and I don't work on spreads when it comes to that. I general rule, and there's no betting when it comes to Pittsburgh sports. But uh, <laughs> I'll go with my heart here. And I'm a Pitt Panther fan, too, so can you to read us back to the promised land?
0: Fair enough. How did he do, um, like, I guess, performance in the second half when he came in? That okay. line
2: looks terrible because there's three interceptions on it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> there's Got been it. a lot of debate in the office here in Pittsburgh about whether there's, you know, two of them. One was a Hail Mary. Can't count that one. But yeah. two of the, the Chase Claypool needs to catch the ball, and there's no other way around it. But Kenny threw a pick. With like three minutes left, when we were up three points, you know they just can't have it. But they like said the guy didn't have any first team reps. You tell him at halftime, okay, you're in now, and just go. Yeah. So, what are you gonna do?
0: Well, I mean, I'm, I just I pulled it up. So, like, because I was curious. Like, yeah, his rating looks terrible. He completed all of his passes. Yeah, I was. Well, he, he, He's he ten of thirteen with three picks. Ten. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything was caught. <laughs> <laughs> he he, he completed all his passes. So yeah, he was ten for thirteen with the three ints, and he, he was averaging nine point two yards of throw. That's a good I mean that's You're a throwing good
2: downfield. Good. There's a play if you watch he throw, he hits Fryermuth over the middle with a defensive lineman about to smack him in the face nails him right down to the 2 yard line and Kenny gets up with a smile on his face and is talking to the guy and is like yes that's our guy
0: I, I should have brought up your tight end there was it Fryermouth? is that how you say his name yeah yep. in fantasy like I played against some guy and your tight end puts up like 60 points and I'm like who is this guy he caught for like 200 and some yards it was just it was absolutely insane he went to, to the Penn State the ball, yeah like he
2: went to Penn State and he's uh he was like mini gronk when we drafted him but uh yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a Heath Miller type guy.
0: That's what I yeah. was going to say. Yep. Big boy. So, well, good stuff. We'll see how the um, – we'll definitely see how the game goes this this coming Sunday here. Um, Jordan, if anyone wants to reach out to you, we'll, we'll put your LinkedIn um, in the show notes. And what's the website for ARL?
2: Yes, it's arlnetwork.com, which gets you to both sides of the house, ARL Transport and uh, ARL
0: Logistics. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you having you on the show here. It's been a great great conversation. Um, Hopefully, we can do it again soon sometime. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yep. Ben,
1: any closing uh, thoughts here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next week, go Bills. Go Steelers. That
0: wraps up this episode of Freight Uh 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our
1: entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site, and we'll see you next week.